Hello and welcome to another episode of Second Hand Stories. This is a place where I tell you stories. What kind? Well, histories, mysteries and unbelievable histories. Today's story is a history, a mystery and slightly an unbelievable history. It's the 20th of April in 1945. It's a significant date because it's Hitler's birthday. He's celebrating his birthday in a bunker in Berlin. It's 1945. So the mood in this bunker is not one of celebration. In fact, it's pretty somber. You see at this point in World War 2, the Red Army from Russia has been making slow and steady advancements and they're heading towards berlin things are not looking good for germany it's at this point that martin bormann assistant to hitler decides to evacuate everybody by initiating what is known as operation seraglio operation seraglio was an operation that would take hitler and the inner circle of hitler away from this bunker in berlin to an alpine command which would be in the south of germany he initiates this and everyone around hitler is urging him to leave however hitler would deliberate for the next few days then on 24th april hitler comes to a decision he says that he's going to stay till the bitter end but he urges everyone else to leave if they wanted to so planes start taking off from this airfield in berlin these planes weren't just carrying people they were also carrying papers these were important precious papers that were important to the nazi regime there was one lorry in particular that was carrying hitler's personal papers this lorry races from the bunker to this airfield in berlin and the contents of this lorry are put onto the plane the plane takes off at 5 am however very soon it is met by allied forces in the sky a firefight erupts and the plane is shot it catches fire and hurtles towards the ground and crashes near a village called bonnersdorf now this village is on the czech and german border when the plane crashes it takes all the people and the cargo it carried with it it would go up in flames and when news of this crash finally reaches the bunker to hitler he lets out a howl he lets out this howl and then he says that those papers were going to explain my motives to posterity this is a catastrophe now apart from this one line there is nothing else known about what was on that plane neither the contents nor their significance this is all we know and these papers would disappear only to come back suddenly 
and sensationally decades later it's many decades later we're in the 1980s and in this chapter we're going to meet our protagonist a man called gerd heidemann gerd heidemann in the 1980s was a journalist who worked for a magazine in germany called stern now he was an obsessive journalist some people described him as a bloodhound like if he got into a case this guy would research it and research it and become just compulsively involved in it it was an admirable trait but it also had its detriment which was this that gerd heidemann could never complete a case he would keep researching it and then eventually it would reach a point where his deadline was long past so his editors would take all these notes and hand it over to another reporter who would type them up gerd heidemann also had an unhealthy obsession with the nazis he had grown up idealizing them and he had a fascination for them and our story begins from this point where gerd heidemann is researching a particular story for his magazine as part of his research he comes across a boat this boat is called the karen 2 and it was formerly owned by a very high level nazi called hermann goring when he sees this boat gerd heidemann is smitten he wants to own this boat and he eventually contacts edda goring hermann goring's daughter and buys this boat from her but very soon he would realize that maintaining this boat was far too expensive for a man on a journalist salary so gerd heidemann decides that he is going to fix it up and try to sell it for a profit he fixes it up and then he frantically starts looking for a buyer his search eventually takes him to a man called fritz Stifel Fritz Stifel was a person who collected Nazi memorabilia he was an aficionado and Gerd Heidemann felt that this was going to be the man who would buy the boat off him but Fritz Stifel was no fool and he very quickly declined the offer to buy this boat however the two men got talking and eventually Fritz Stifel revealed something very interesting to Gerd Heidemann he tells him that he has in his possession a diary written in the hand of adolf hitler himself now when gerd heidemann hears this he is intrigued he really wants to see this diary so he badgers stifel until the point where the man finally agrees to show it to him fritz stifel takes heidemann down into his basement and there there is an armored door he pushes open this armored door and heidemann enters this room to find it filled with nazi memorabilia there are rows and shelves filled with this stuff and as heidemann is taking all of this in stifel pulls out this bound black big book and on it are emblazoned two letters it says a h and as gerd heidemann sees it his eyes go wide 
because what he's looking at is probably the biggest story of his life he knows he needs to find out more he asks stifle more questions and eventually stifle tells him that there is not just one diary there are 26 others just like it now his eyes were already big so you can imagine how much bigger they must have gotten when he heard this he knew he was on to the story of a lifetime it's hitler's diaries previously unpublished unfound and now they might reveal new details about possibly the biggest event in human history he goes to his editors and you can imagine how anxious how breathless how eager he must be to break the story to them and he does but to his dismay his editors do not have the same enthusiasm they know gerd heidemann and they tell him to cut out his obsession with this nazi crap they don't want to be a part of the story and they want nothing to do with it and they don't want heidemann to spend his time pursuing this case either but as i've told you before heidemann was a bloodhound he was in no mood to give up on this story so what he does is he decides that he's going to verify the story and try to build up a bigger and better case for it so what he does is he starts reading up on this particular incident he does find out the historical truth that yes there was a plane that took off from berlin and crashed in bonnersdorf on the czech and german border he tracks the flight path that this plane might have had and reaches bonnersdorf and there the story is confirmed he finds out from the locals that yes a plane had crashed here and they take him to the graves of some of the people who were on the plane heidemann takes a picture of himself at this graveyard and now he has some proof with which he can bolster his case so he comes back but instead of going to his editors he decides to do something else he decides that he's going to go over his editors heads and go straight to the publisher of the magazine he puts together a presentation where he charts out the story he puts together the details of the story the visit to the gravesite and finally the news that there is a diary in the possession of a collector which he himself has seen the publishers hear the story and are immediately taken in by the story they love it because they can see the commercial potential of publishing hitler's diaries so they sanction the story and they immediately give him 200000 marks so that he can start negotiations with the owner of this diary there was one problem though fritz steifel was refusing to give up the name of the person who had given him the diary now this wasn't unusual because collectors tended to want to have anonymity especially if they had big ticket items like hitler's diary because they wanted to keep the curiosity of the general public at bay so fritz steifel is refusing to give up the name but gerd heidemann is a bloodhound so he starts looking for alternate leads and eventually he finds a person who knows steifel the diary and also the man who had sold steifel the diary he gives gerd heidemann a name 
and that name is Mr. Peter Fisher. He says that Peter Fisher is a person who has an antiques shop in Stuttgart, Germany. And with this lead, Gerd Heidemann immediately goes to Stuttgart to meet Mr. Peter Fisher. He says that he works for a magazine called Stern and his magazine are willing to pay Mr. Fisher 2 million marks for the entire collection of Hitler's diaries. It's a lot of money and Mr. Fisher, after some deliberation, agrees. But he says he's going to do it on one condition. He says that you're not going to get the entire collection. You're going to get these diaries one by one. He says the reason is this. The plane had gone down in Bonnersdorf and a local peasant had scavenged through the wreckage and found these diaries. This peasant now lived in East Germany. Now, this was the time when Germany was divided into West and East and East Germany was a communist police state. It was going to be hard to smuggle these diaries out of East Germany. And here's how it was going to happen. The peasant was going to hand these diaries off to Mr. Fisher's brother who happened to be a general in East Germany's army. The general would then smuggle it across the border and hand it over to Fisher who would then give it to Heidemann. It would take months. Heidemann, however, was undeterred. He agreed to this deal. He said that, don't worry. I will wait that much time. And then Mr. Fisher says, here's the other thing I want. Mr. Fisher wanted anonymity. He said, at no point must my name come out. Gerd Heidemann readily agrees to this and the diaries slowly start coming. The peasant hands it over to the general. The general gives it to Mr. Fisher and Mr. Fisher gives it to Heidemann who then gives it to his publishers. As the diaries start stacking up, the publishers get more and more excited. They now have something extremely precious and they know that this is a gold mine. But first, they must verify whether these diaries are authentic or not. So what they do is, they take pages from this diary and they give it over to handwriting experts. Soon, the results come back. The experts unanimously agree that these diaries are written by Hitler himself. But they also approach a historian, a man called Hugh Trevor Roper. Now, he was a British historian who was the foremost historian when it came to World War II. And Hugh Trevor Roper had credibility and insight into this period of time. And when he saw the diaries, he too agreed that these were written by Hitler. Now that the diaries had been vetted and verified, the publishers got even more excited. So they decide they're going to go ahead and print it. And before they do that, they hold a big press conference to reveal this information to the world. Now at this press conference is present Hugh Trevor Roper. But oddly enough, this time round, he doesn't seem very enthusiastic. When the press ask him about the legitimacy of these diaries, he doesn't give a very firm answer. He says that the link between the plane crash and these diaries cannot be fully ascertained yet. In addition, this 
massive press conference is gate crashed by another historian this is a controversial historian called david irving and he has got his hands on these diaries of at least a portion of them and he doesn't think that they're legitimate he comes to this press conference and he asks the panel he says have you tested the ink and when he gets no response he knows that they haven't done it he's promptly escorted out of the press conference and as he's being led out he screams ink the ink now this press conference rattles the upper management of stern they don't know what to make of it they're worried that the credibility of these diaries are going to be undermined and they have this meeting where they bunker in the conference room and they deliberate about what to do after some deliberation they finally agree that they're going to go ahead with the publication an excerpt of hitler's diary is published and it's published to international recognition it's big news everywhere it's a newly discovered piece of history that was written by the most villainous man in history but as international fame spreads it's also met by mounting scrutiny a lot of people have read this excerpt and a lot of them have doubts as these doubts keep mounting the attorney at stern comes to the upper management and says we might have a problem he says that we must test these diaries conclusively because if they turn out to be false then we could be taken down with a case of propagating nazi propaganda now you see it was a law in west germany that you couldn't spread any kind of nazi propaganda they were able to publish these diaries because they were historical data but if these diaries were proven to be false then it's no longer history it's propaganda so now the upper management of stern wake up and they take these diaries and they get them tested and this time they're not just tested by handwriting experts they're also tested forensically you can hear david irving still shouting the ink the ink now when these diaries are tested forensically it's revealed that these diaries are fakes the upper management rush to grab the collar of gerd heidemann and they demand where did you get these diaries from and he says i don't know anything else about these diaries except that they came from mr fisher now the thing was there was no mr fisher the reason there was no mr fisher was because mr fisher was an alias for a man called conrad paul kuyao conrad kuyao was born in dresden in germany his parents were both members of the nazi party and he too had grown up idolizing the nazis and more specifically hitler himself but as he grew up his path had kind of taken a wrong turn he had gotten into petty crime and he was constantly on the run this one time there was an arrest warrant out for him and which is why he had 
fled to Stuttgart and started a new life under the name of Peter Fischer. In Stuttgart, he had also realized that there was a market for Nazi memorabilia. The insight he had was that Nazi memorabilia was cheap to find in East Germany and he could sell them at a profit in West Germany. So he starts smuggling these items from East to West and starts selling them to aficionados like Fritz Stiefel. Pretty soon, he comes across another idea. He realizes that the value of these items go up if they are accompanied by a story. For example, he's found this first World War helmet. But he finds that he can sell it for far more money if he claims that this helmet was worn by Adolf Hitler in 1914. So he starts forging these fake certificates of authenticity and selling these fake products for more and more money. Now, he sells all these items and because he doesn't get caught, his ambitions increase and his confidence goes up and he attempts more things. So, Conrad Kuya was also a painter and he starts making these paintings which he sells claiming them to be paintings made by Hitler when he was an amateur painter. These paintings sell for a lot of money and so he gets even more emboldened. He then starts writing the two volumes of Hitler's bestseller, Mein Kampf, in Hitler's own handwriting. Now this was ridiculous because Hitler himself had typed this out on a typewriter. He then goes one further by writing a third volume which Hitler never even wrote. And at none of these points does he get caught. Which is why he finally had the confidence to attempt writing Hitler's diaries. Now, the story of how he came upon this idea varies. He's, he himself has given multiple accounts of it. In one account, he says that he decided to put his extensive knowledge of Hitler to productive use by writing a biography. But halfway through, he realized that if he just converted it into a diary, he would get more money for it. In another version, he claims that he was practicing Hitler's handwriting by copying down a yearbook. And then he realized that he could possibly make this into a diary. Whatever the reason, he eventually writes one of these diaries and shows it to Fritz Stiefel. Stiefel gets excited and takes it off him. And that sets into motion a chain of events which would lead to Stiefel showing Heidemann the diary and Heidemann approaching him with this offer. Now when Heidemann showed up in his shop with this offer of 2 million marks, Kuyao could not refuse it. It was far too much money. He agrees to do it, but there was a problem. And the problem was that he had only written one diary. It was the diary that Stifel had. So he needed to buy time so that he could write these other diaries. And which is why he came up with this story of a peasant who had found these diaries, who would then give it to a general that did not exist, who would then bring it to Fisher. Now he starts writing these diaries with discipline and diligence and determination. He writes from morning until evening and he draws his sources from all over the place. He reads books, he reads newspapers, he reads newsletters that the Nazis had made. He even talks to former Nazis. That coupled with his own knowledge creates a very compelling reading. Not just that, he would make sure that he aged 
his fictitious diaries he made them look older than what they are because they had to look decades older than they actually were and they also had to show damage from the plane crash so what he would do is he would pour tea over the pages and then he would take the books and bang them against his desk so that they looked battered but he was not a very good forger so for one he was writing these forgeries very fast he had to produce at least 3 diaries a month in fact later he would claim that he even wrote one volume in 3 hours so you can imagine how many mistakes snuck into these diaries he was stealing outright from books so there was an instance where in this diary he's written something that he's taken from a book and the book itself was wrong and it's not just that the stationery he was using was also modern stationery and it wasn't very convincing when he put these books together which begs the question how did these diaries go through experts without being found out that's a pretty valid question and the answer is very simple these diaries were not found out because of the way stern got them tested stern was so convinced that they had found a gold mine and they were so paranoid that the diaries would get leaked into the public that they were very very discreet they took these diaries and they put them in a swiss bank locker when it came time to give it to experts they only gave them a single page from this diary and not just that they gave them a sample of hitler's handwriting to compare the page with the problem was the sample they gave was also forged by kuyao so the experts were comparing one fake with another fake and concluding both of them to be true the second thing they did is with hugh trevor roper now he was a man of authority and the way that they were able to convince him of the diary's authenticity was by telling him a very specific story about how they got these diaries they gave him a name of a nazi officer who had handed it over this was very convincing in addition they told hugh trevor roper that other experts had vetted these diaries and found them to be accurate and hugh trevor roper took them at their word it was only later right before the press conference that hugh trevor roper meets gerd heidemann he meets him and asks him about the source and gerd heidemann tells him two or three versions that don't add up that's when hugh trevor roper realizes that these diaries could be fakes and that's why he's not exactly convincing at the press conference it would only be later under the threat of the law that the upper management would get them tested properly and immediately they would find out that these diaries were fakes So now we come to the aftermath of this hoax. When the hoax breaks, the first thing that happens is that Heidemann remains unconvinced that these are fakes. He cannot wrap his head around the fact that Conrad Kuyao wrote these diaries himself. He just does not believe it. He claims innocence and he says that I believed Conrad Kuyao. Kuyao on the other hand has fled as the news broke he immediately packed up and fled to austria and that's where the case takes another turn conrad kuyao is in austria 
and one night he's watching the news the news is covering the hitler diaries hoax and on this news program he hears that stern had paid 9 million marks for these diaries this boils kuyao's blood because now he's realized that gerd heidemann has not given him all the money it enrages him so much that he turns himself in he not only turns himself in he also blames heidemann he says heidemann knew all along that these were forgeries heidemann is arrested as well and the case goes to court now in court kuyao is very very blatantly admitting to his role in it he says yes i am a forger i have forged many things including war poems that hitler has written during the war and he says that they were bad forgeries so bad that you would feel that 14 year olds have written them so he says that he did it he can't believe that it got this far and he says that heidemann was involved heidemann's defense is that he has no idea that these diaries were fakes regardless both men are found guilty and they are sentenced to 4 years and some months in prison each now the interesting thing about this whole case is the reason that media outlets pick up fake stories and hoaxes like this the reason is because when stern published the excerpt of hitler's diary sales shot up and even after it was proved to be false sales remained high and that's the reason the media is not too concerned with the authenticity of the news as long as it's sensational because eyeballs will go up and they will stay up long after the apology is over now conrad kuyao is released in 1987 and he goes back to you guessed it forging he is now forging paintings but instead of signing with other people's name he is now signing with his own because he's got a measure of fame heidemann on the other hand came out with a very different fortune he came out suffering his credibility is lost and he doesn't get a job for a long time he lives on social security and spends the rest of his days in relative poverty but tellingly the difference between what stern paid for these diaries and what kuyao got for them the difference of those millions of marks have never been accounted for to this day and that's the story of the hitler diaries So that's the story. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then please leave a like and a comment. Let me know in the comment section below what other stories you'd like me to cover and also what you felt about this one. As usual, every single episode of Second Hand Stories is brought to you by my career. And I'm doing a very special show on May 7th in Mumbai. So on May 7th, I'm going to be recording material for YouTube for this channel. So if you've liked the work that's been happening here then uh, do come for the show I'm taping alongside Puneet Panya. It's going to be a fabulous fabulous night. So don't miss that. The tickets are in the description below uh, and also probably in the comment section in the top comment. So come out for that one and I will see you there. Until next time. Bye bye.